there was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome on into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker alongside Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio on a Thursday afternoon. We're actually going to release this podcast on the day it's recorded. So this is going to be, like, organically fresh. We're talking to you live if you're listening to this. Yeah, this is this is like the next best thing to live. This is like live, but with an eight-second oblique button no, no don't lie to them we're in their car with them if they're listening to this going home that's true we're over your shoulder turn left right now turn left right now i'm still getting used to the uh new no i'm in- sorry turn right i'm still getting used to the new intro honestly yeah working on I'm it still adjusting to it someone threw you off and you just decided to go a different direction right you know shout out to dino vol dino dino we still don't know how to pronounce your name but you hurt you Wes's feelings no it's not that it's that we are here for our subscribers. Now, we're here for the masses, but mostly we're here for the people that give us, you know, good old American dollars every month. So when those people have a suggestion, we try our best to be reasonable. We try to listen to them. And I think Dino slash Dino Vol slash Vol had a pretty good point. If he thinks we can do better, let's try to do better. Now, we might go back to it, might change it up again you you don't know this isn't like mariano rivera where you know you're getting the cutter you know should it be we're gonna gonna mix up the pitches we're gonna bring you some different things he throws a cutter almost every pitch for a reason though it's a good one yeah but we don't have a mariano rivera cutter true we've got kind of a a 60 year old uh hitting coach batting practice fastball is what we have that that's what we have here on the go balls 24 7 podcast Got a lot to talk about. As y'all know, this may not be, probably won't be, the final football podcast until National Signing Day, but there's a chance that, that it will be. We haven't really made the full decision on that yet because that's how organically fresh we are, but there's a chance this is the final one until National Signing Day. So we're going to spend a lot of this one talking about recruiting. We normally keep a lot of the best recruiting information behind the paywall, but, you know, right now, it's that time where everybody's talking about it. It's out there and people are stealing our stuff anyway, taking it out there to the world at large. So we'll go ahead and keep some, some stuff out there. We'll go ahead and throw some stuff out there. We'll also, before we get out of here, talk about the, uh, we'll have the state of the vols. As you know, there was a state of the union this week. We're not going to talk about the actual state of the union though. So if you're, if you're tuned in for that, no politics folks, but we do recommend that when we are giving this speech, if you like, Something that we've said, we demand that you stand up and clap wherever you are. Everybody. And if you don't like it, you can just sit there stone-faced silent. That seems to be... <laughs> that's fine. That's We're, we're not going to be offended you, by that. If you missed the State of the Union address this week, that's basically what you missed. Wes just summed it up that half the room was standing up and clapping every 30 seconds, and the other half of the room was sitting there looking like they wanted to throw hands. Yeah, they were getting it like, <laughs> not happy. We are not happy. So there was the State of the Union this week. There was the, the State of the Senate, the State of the State, all that. We'll have the State of the Vols. 
We'll have that later before we get on out of here. First of all, we are going to get into recruiting. First-year coach Jeremy Pruitt and his Vols, his highly paid, highly paid Tennessee staff, which, by the way, one more plug, we will have a, some stuff from Philip Fulmer. Uh, probably going to run some of those stories on the site first from that ex- uh, one-on-one interview we had with Philip Fulmer on the site. Go to them first uh, the next couple of days, and then early next week, I bet, we'll we'll throw out that the full Philip Fulmer interview for a podcast. But, but from that, he did mention that uh, he thought Jeremy Pruitt had tripled, not not just matched, not doubled, tripled Tennessee's interest from the interest in Tennessee from big time prospects in two days, two dos dias. That's all he said that it took for Pruitt to get in there uh, with some big time prospects. And Fulmer said that that during that interview process, Pruitt talked a good talk, and he he loved it. But he said, you know, there's part of you in the back of your mind thinking, okay. Big shot. Can you're, you're saying you're going to bring this big time staff, and are you, you really going to do it? Check. He's done that, and he thought that he could get some things turned in recruiting pretty quickly, and then have maybe a huge class next year. And so far, so good on that front too. So Pruitt's uh, two for two on the things he told Fulmer he would do to this point. So that's a that's a good start. That that gave gave Fulmer what he called me a peace of mind uh, about the situation. But Ryan going into the final weekend, Tennessee is what nineteenth nationally. And uh, sixth in the SEC in the uh, 24-7 sports rankings. And Tennessee had been down where? What was the lowest point? Uh, 56 or something like that. It was mid-50s. Yeah, just before the early signing period, they were down there in the 50s and made up quite a bit of ground by adding uh, a half dozen new players to the class during that early signing period. So they've uh, now got a chance. They're right there on the doorstep of a a top 15 class if they could finish strong and, and get some help from other teams. Of course, a lot of teams are going to add players on signing day, so you can't just say, hey, they're 19th. If they add a couple more guys, they, they go into the top 15. Everyone's going to be kind of jockeying for position over the next several days. So we'll be will be fascinating to see how it all goes down, but they've, they've got a, a pretty good chance here to, to finish with at least a top 20 class, and beyond that, we'll, we'll see how high they can go. If you're, if you're going from a situation just in a few weeks' time from a classic linebacker number in the rankings to maybe more of a wide receiver type number, or a defensive back number, that's pretty good. When you're going from the mid-50s uh, to the teens in a couple of weeks, and, and here, here's the most impressive thing about this to me. I don't think people – I think most people understand this, but I don't know if everyone kind of fully appreciates this. When Pruitt took the job, this was the first year there was the early signing period. So things are sped up so much more quickly than they had been before. And on top of that, he's spending a majority of his time for most of that period with Alabama – continuing or finishing the drill with them as the defensive coordinator, helping them win another national championship. But because of that, their season extended another, what, three weeks, uh, three or four weeks from what, what what most teams had, or at least a couple weeks. And so when you put all that together, you've got a really small window to, to operate. And for him to do what he's done, he and his staff, I should say, it's a collective effort, in this amount of time, regardless of the finish, I think it's been fairly impressive. Yeah, I, I think they've done a really good job. And, uh, you know, we've kind of said from the beginning, uh, I, think, I think Patrick and all of us have kind of made this point that this first class, it was going to be really hard to to gauge them on exactly what they get in this class just because you are kind of behind the eight ball. You come in and you're you're recruiting new guys. I, you know, I, I can tell you as a guy trying to cover all these players, most of these guys weren't on Tennessee's board before. They've yeah. They've been new names added in. Uh, guys that you know, maybe J- Jeremy Pruitt or someone on the the new staff 
had a connection with them at their previous stop or just a guy that they thought they had a shot at down the stretch and wanted to wanted to take a swing uh and they've they've gotten a, a good number of them on campus uh the fact that you've gotten visits from guys like tyson campbell five-star cornerback the number two cornerback in the country um the fact that elijah griffin visited last month and whether tennessee gets him or not that, that they had a chance down the stretch to battle usc and alabama for a five-star cornerback of that caliber um that i think that kind of shows you what this staff is at least going to be capable of and and what they given the benefit of time can do in the 2019 class i think but you know now down the stretch with, with a class like this that you're inheriting 80 percent of the way to the finish line and trying to just kind of throw out a few of the names that were in the class before and then start from scratch almost with the rest uh it, it has been impressive to see what they've been able to do and and now it's you know you, you don't want to judge them too much on whether they get or don't get some of these big names i think but they still have a chance to to finish pretty strong by by adding another big name or two on signing day yeah when you when you go back to the tripling of the board i mean you look at who they're coming down the stretch hoping to get here how many of these names were even on the radar in during the season going into the season yeah. i mean maybe their, their class was almost done at one point people, people yeah. almost forget that i mean anthony grant's the you know the running back commitment he's the you know mm-hmm. one guy and, and jay sean corbin who's like the guy that just keeps like reappearing <laughs> <laughs> like i thought that was you know thought the ship had sailed he'd committed to florida state now he's back i guess potentially a, a a fallback option at running back if something happens to grant i think they still want to get two guys there but maybe not even a fallback option yeah we'll it could see. be um so that's you know that's kind of what you think about it. And of course, when you think about the the guys that prove maybe has brought with them, obviously JJ Peterson's a big name, you know, Quay Walker's another guy that, uh, that Pruitt had a relationship with. And certainly there's other guys, but yeah, th- this, this class, it's sort of reminded me a little bit of the 2013 class and I'm not comparing how Butch Jones and Jeremy Pruitt recruit. So don't get that impression. <laughs> Let's not do that. Brick, but brick by brick, but that class, um, if, you're, if I'm remembering correctly, Tennessee made a run at some really highly ranked guys um, and, and some guys that were committed elsewhere. I think that was the Von Bell class. That was the Carl Lawson. The Carl Lawson was uh, another guy that they made a run at. Gavin was, Bellamy that ended up at Georgia. Yeah, there were some guys that they sort of made a run at in January that they sort of had thinking a little bit that got them on campus. Jonathan Ford that ended up at Auburn. Yeah, like playing cornerback. Yeah. <laughs> when he Don't think been. any of those guys are really regretting their decisions. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm just saying like no, it's I reminding. Wanted, I just want to throw that out. There. That's fine. I understand. But but they did get some. I mean, they got Josh Dobbs it, at the end in that class, I and mean, they, they still had some it, nice additions. It, but there were a lot of guys where they they were the bridesmaid. They yeah. came second, which yep. in recruiting recruiting does not matter. So mm-hmm. uh, that could be what happens again in this class. But there should be enough. I I think they did an excellent job in the early signing period, given that they had like what 13 days yeah of of non dead period to uh to to. You know, get some guys in there that you know they get Dominic Wood Anderson, they get Jerome Carvin, uh, running back, quarterback, they address some needs there. My favorite was the kid who said that Tennessee felt like home, even though he had never actually been to Tennessee. <laughs> that might have been Peterson, uh, JJ Peterson, yeah. Probably. yeah. That's he just it just uh, the pictures just look like home, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that so that I mean, I think if you're Tennessee and you're if you're a Tennessee fan and you're worried that they might strike out on some guys think you know it has to be a positive you have to spin it as sort of as a positive for the future well give these guys a year to do this yeah give these this the staff of uh grinders is what they've been dubbed by some people give them a full year to work on on this next class and and see what happens well well let's be real too this this staff has um a, a chance to uh to be big players for some guys down the stretch because of what they had at their previous stops you know that that's that's helped them 
Um, but at Tennessee, they haven't had a lot to sell. I mean, they're coming off a four and eight season that the staff had nothing to do with, obviously, aside from Robert Gillespie. But still, you don't you got to give them credit, I think, just for getting Tennessee in the picture when they're working with so little, frankly, that they can point back to. I mean, literally all they're all they're selling at this point is, hey, come to Tennessee and be the start of something new. It's all it's it's a lot like the sales pitch was in 2013, even though Tennessee fans and that's the sales pitch for a lot of different places. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you are, we always see sort of the, the new coach bump. Yeah, and that's and there's excitement with that. Players actually do like that idea of coming on the ground floor or something. But that literally is is one of the main things they're selling right now, and just the 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 hope that Jeremy Pruitt can build something similar at Tennessee to what he's been involved with before at Florida State and Alabama and Georgia. So I I think they've they've got plenty to sell, obviously. But the fact that they're doing this coming off a four and eight season that obviously got the, the previous staff fired, it, it's pretty impressive. They're they're ter- and and. I think they deserve credit for aiming high, <laughs> you know, yeah. go, going for it. I mean, they're not they're not taking under the radar quote unquote guys just to take guys. They're not taking bodies yeah. just to take bodies. They're they're getting Tyson Campbell, who's you know five star guy, five star stud. You know, the number two defensive tackle, who's also from that high school down there. That mm-hmm. probably there's probably like a point five chance he's going to pick Tennessee, but <laughs> but they got him on campus yeah, anyway. And Pruitt calls them dudes. Yeah, yeah, and you know Griffin's another guy. I mean, they they were. They were casting a wide net, but they were casting a wide net only looking for a certain caliber of player, and they, they weren't just settling. Yeah, uh, which I think is is. I think know, it's, kudos to them for that. I guess. Yeah, it's easy to do. I think when you come into a situation like this to just say, okay, who can we get? Not yeah. so much look at who you could take a swing you at. Want. You're looking at more of who's realistic, and I don't think the staff ever looked at it that way. I think they they looked for a, places where they had an in. And then beyond that, I think they looked at who do we want, and they they took a legitimate swing at those guys. Some weren't interested. A lot were, though, and a lot at least took a visit to Tennessee and and give them credit for getting a foot in the door, and now you know we'll, we'll see how many they can finish with. Yeah, I've heard this is Pruitt's language when it comes to prospects. You know, you're either a guy or a dude. And if you're just okay, it's like, nah, he's just a guy. But if you're a good player, it's like, oh, that's a dude. That's a dude right there. So you're either, he's just a guy or – He's a dude. Tennessee wants dudes. They, they want guys who uh, are going to make a difference. Uh, now, some positions, uh, coaches say, we're not going to settle for anybody. You know, we're not going to take a body just to take a body. I'm on record saying that I've been doing this for about 18 years now, and it's very, very rare for a coach to ever willingly take fewer guys than the maximum he could possibly take. I don't care what sport it is. Coaches always say, well, if we, if we don't get the top guys, you know, we're not just going to fill out the class. No, BS. You usually just end up filling out the class and then let the chips fall where they may. If a guy isn't very good, you can process him and, and move on. But uh, I think that basically they're not really drawing a line in the sand, but they're they're making a full, full, full push for the biggest guys they can possibly get. And I think that's – uh, that's commendable because if you if you are trying to get to where they want to get, you, you you can cycle up. Sure, you can get a team that's got a special group of juniors and seniors, and you know develop them, and you, you got a chance to go in there and do some things. But let's be realistic here: your Georgia and especially Bama are recruiting at a level that's just obscene, basically, and they are going to lap the field in the SEC if if you don't start bringing in top top classes that can physically go with those guys now you can you can take your your under the radar guy here and there and you can say we we go by our own system yada yada by and large there are exceptions such as tennessee's 
team this past season. But when you stack together some pretty darn good classes, that's usually what it takes to be a good uh, an SEC championship caliber football team. And Tennessee under Pruitt, Pruitt's seen that at the highest level. He's been around it. This is what he wants to build. Yeah, and that, well, and this is also you have to um, I, you have to look at what Georgia's doing. It's not just Alabama and sure. other teams. Yeah. It's your own division now. Yep. Georgia is about to sign a class that might be pound for pound the best class in the history of the twenty four seven sports composite rankings. Um, that that's absurd. That, that's good, right? Yeah, that when you think about that and the fact that they may finish with a team score higher than anything Alabama has ever had. That, that's that's not bad and, and Tennessee's got to keep up with that now not just keep up with that they've got to find a way to chase down every Georgia. year you're playing both of those teams yeah so good luck and and Kirby Smart is setting a setting a pretty fierce pace Georgia thinks they're already off to a good start in the 2019 class so it's it's a lot for this staff to have to catch up to with Georgia in the division with a new staff at Florida you know Dan Mullen a lot of people are, are impressed by what he's done so far and think that staff's going to do well down there so you've got a lot of competitions so that's why you can't afford to just be okay in recruiting you've got to go out with the mindset that we, we've got to sign top 10 classes at Tennessee or it may not be enough to get it done in the long in the long run and it's you know it but that's tough to do in this you know, mm. with what they've had with yeah the early signing in this period. first year yeah this first year I mean it, it's like you said it is intro worry about the guys that we do get not the guys that we don't get right. so uh crunching some playing with the 24-7 sports class calculator over here if you take tw- uh, Tennessee's 20 D commitments it would be if that was a class and not all these guys decommitted during the season, but still uh, that class would be ranked 18th right now. So just one spot ahead of Tennessee, actually. So the decommitments. But they lost a lot of guys. That's like, like last night when Tennessee's but, bench almost outscored LSU starters. But, I, I mean, at one point, like right before the early signing period, I think they were down to, what, eight commitments? Yeah. Well, they, they ended up signing eight that were originally Tennessee commitments. I don't remember if they ever got down to eight commitments. They were down. They, they were down into the single digits, yeah. though, for sure. Yeah. And they had lost probably about a dozen guys during mm-hmm. the season, just because you know, that's what happens when you have a, a class mostly together, and then it falls apart on the seat during the on the field during the season. Mm-hmm. That was always the thought that was out there. Can they, you know, we we'd get asked a lot. Can Tennessee finish with the top five class? Well, they have to not be terrible on the field. And sure enough, they were terrible on the field, and the class fell apart. And you're just trying to. I think salvage it if you're Jeremy Pruitt in this happened. I think they've already done a good job because they've already addressed some needs. And whether or not they have the, the huge finish down the stretch, whoever they get, it's going to be who they want. And, you know, we'll just have to, to see where it winds up. Yeah, there's – again, this is all completely in, in motion all the time. And even though we're bringing this – you know, recording this to you on Thursday afternoon and releasing it on Thursday afternoon, uh, this thing can change every two seconds. You know, we're all on our phones. We're all – uh, checking to see, you know, who's going where. Is this kid going to visit this place or that place or what's going on? Wes, you're you know, not. Let's be honest. I'm on my phone sending a text message to a, a friend right now. So we're on our phones <laughs> for different reasons. But uh, I think actually the one I just sent was ha, 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 because somebody sent me uh, arguably the worst penalty kick ever taken in soccer. And I watched I think it. I sent you that yesterday. Another buddy sent it today, and I was like, hmm. Yeah, that that's pretty bad. That's the one, pretty bad. The one from Turkey. Yeah, I still I think, sent you that. I still I? think the one that uh, the the Grant Ramey's beloved Crystal Palace had two years ago is the worst I've ever seen. But um, but that's 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 pretty good. But Ryan is on the phone uh, right now, probably either uh, you know sending ha 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 text to people or uh, maybe seeing where guys are going this weekend. And and this is all subject to change. So what I'm trying to say here in a roundabout way is 
that we don't really know exactly who will be showing up on Tennessee's campus uh, for official visits on the final weekend. But Ryan, is, is there like what a is, smaller group? Yeah, yeah. What what if anything is the story for Tennessee? Either guys going to Knoxville or guys going somewhere else. What what are the main storylines? To, to watch as they develop this weekend. Yeah, so so as of right now, there it looks like a handful of potential visitors. Uh, a, a couple still that we're waiting to see on. Antoine Green is a wide receiver from Florida that Tennessee's former staff targeted, former Florida State commitment, uh, and he's the cousin of Jay Sean Corbin that we mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, the four-star running back that is visiting Tennessee this weekend. So I think Tennessee had hoped to get both those guys on campus together this weekend. But Ohio State, some other teams are still pushing for that final visit from Green. So we'll see if he ends up making it in. He's really quiet, doesn't say a lot about his intentions. So uh, we'll have to wait and see whether that comes together for Tennessee. And then the other one still worth watching is Trayvon Flowers, uh, a three-star safety who's actually signed to play baseball at Kentucky and then played football his senior year for the first time since he was in eighth grade uh, and ended up being pretty good at it and then decided, hey, I think I want to play both sports. Um, But because of the fact that he had signed with Kentucky for baseball, there have been some complications with getting Tennessee to be able to recruit him. Did he actually sign a scholarship, or did he just sign like a grant and a? He signed a letter of, of intent, so that uh, it's it's caused some some issues. I'd heard that both ways, so I didn't. Know. So so for Tennessee to work through that, um, he hasn't been able to visit the past two weeks. They're still hoping to get him in town this weekend, so we'll see if that one is able to work out this week. So somewhere around a handful of visitors. The uh, the headliner of that group though will be Isaac Taylor Stewart, the top fifty prospect and and cornerback from California. Uh, Tennessee taking a swing at, at him. Uh, it's kind of believed to be a long shot. Alabama uh, just hosted him last weekend. USC is still the favorite uh, on the 24-7 sports crystal ball. Texas A&M is the one that hosted him on his first official visit back in October with their former staff, and they're still in the picture, um, but they're kind of maybe more of a dark horse contender. So it's mostly thought to be USC and Alabama. You know, you, we don't know what Alabama is going to do at cornerback. It looks like Eddie Smith is starting to trend their way now. Uh, at the at the timing of this podcast, they're the, they're the heavy favorites now on the crystal ball. So maybe there's a scenario where Tennessee ends up having a real shot at, at Isaac Taylor Stewart. So that's an interesting visit to watch uh, this weekend, but probably thought to be a long shot right now with USC still involved. Uh, and then, uh, you know, like you said, Wes, some of the other big storylines for this weekend are guys not visiting Tennessee that we're going to have to keep an eye on either where they're visiting or just kind of track uh, what what's going on in their final weekend as they sit sit at home and 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 discuss their final decisions. But uh, you know, Quay Walker, for instance, the five star linebacker in Alabama commitment, he's visiting Georgia this weekend, and uh, that's some people aren't sure whether Georgia is the main threat to Tennessee or whether it's Auburn. Uh, some some different opinions on on that the, on that depending on who you talk to. But I think Tennessee is as thought to be maybe the slight favorite going into this weekend. So that's obviously a big visit. Uh, with with Georgia hosting in this weekend, uh, Jeremy Pruitt and, and multiple members of Tennessee staff were in, are visiting with him on Thursday at the timing of this recording. So, uh, a, a big big visit this weekend for you know that with Quay Walker going to Georgia, and then you've got some other guys like that visiting elsewhere that you're going to have to track. Uh, you know, Glenn Beal, the three star tight end from Louisiana. Where does he end up visiting? Tennessee's a, a major contender there. So is Alabama. So lots of those types of guys this weekend, and then you've got others like Elijah Griffin that starting to look lo- like a, a, a longer shot maybe for Tennessee, but they're still battling in that one. USC the favorite, and he's just sitting at home this weekend kind of assessing his, his options and what he wants to do. So um, Otita Obonia, uh, the, the three-star defensive tackle from, from Texas, visiting Nebraska this weekend, coming off a Tennessee visit next uh, this past weekend. So some, some big visits to watch. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, not all the action in Knoxville this weekend, but a lot to track as, as some of these targets get 
kind of get into the final days here and really have to have to make up their minds. I think in a lot of cases, some guys haven't had their minds made up going into this final weekend most most of the time. So sometimes these visits are important. Sometimes they're not. But either way, a lot to to sort of process for all these guys. Yeah, if that guy's name was on the board for Wheel of Fortune, I would say I'd like to buy a continent. Yeah, Otito Obonia. It's a fun, yeah. fun name. And there's a silent G in there just to throw everybody off too. But uh, yeah, John Mincy is another one who's who's maybe not visiting somewhere this weekend. Three-star defensive end from South Georgia. Had talked about visiting Florida State. Uh, and then, and then yeah, speaking of Florida State, a couple of Tennessee commitments might be visiting there this weekend. At the timing of this recording, it sounds like Florida State still is scheduled to host four-star wide receiver Jordan Young, the under-the-radar wide receiver who's blossomed into a four-star here late and Florida State is desperate for wide receiver help and really really pushing hard to get him on campus Tennessee has coaches visiting with him on Thursday probably trying to shut down that visit and and get him to stay home this weekend so we'll see what happens there and Anthony Grant the Tennessee commitment we talked about earlier also visiting Florida State this weekend North Carolina and Virginia Tech are in the picture there so uh, a a lot to to kind of watch around the country really involving Tennessee targets and a lot of names still on the board so People are kind of asking, is this guy a take? Is this guy going to end up at Tennessee? In some cases, we kind of have to wait and see what plays out with some other guys because there are just so many names on the board that there are lots of moving parts and, and coaches may have to make some tough decisions here eventually, but that's what's going to make this an entertaining finish. And so they, they can sign how many guys, Ryan? They I can sign. question a lot. Yeah, they can sign technically up to 25 in theory, technically. It would take a lot of creativity for Tennessee to get there, though, because you have some guys from last year Shaq Wiggins. Shout out to Shaq Wiggins. Princeton Fant that counted ahead. To definitely, this. definitely worth it. Def- Hashtag West New. <laughs> so, so those guys counted ahead to the 2018 class. Who's the other guy you mentioned? Uh, Princeton Fant. Okay, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So so because those guys counted also, ahead. Also, West knew that he was going to be a tight end, by the way. <laughs> I think everyone knew that. Though. We'll see what the new staff thinks. That'll be interesting. He's not the bigger tight end that they're likely to prefer. So he looks pretty big. It'd be a, it'd be a tough transition back yeah, to but receiver. How many, but how many people in news stories called him wide receiver parentheses and future tight end Princeton fans. Probably just you. Ding. <laughs> so so anyway, um so because of those Ding. moves last year where those guys had to count ahead, you don't have a full complement of twenty five spots to work with, but as Butch Jones' staff always showed, there are ways to get there. So twenty five is the hard limit now. I don't think you're gonna see Tennessee sign twenty five uh on signing day. I think they will at least give themselves some flexibility in case there are some graduate transfer options out there whether it's a quarterback or offensive line or whatever um but i think you're likely to see tennessee sign somewhere between 22 and 24 so they have 14 in right now and they have three current commitments two of them you just mentioned might be visiting florida state this weekend so it seems like with all these names that you just ran through that this is going to be the last few days before signing day and signing day itself with i don't know how many of these guys are going to announce if they're announcing but it seems like there's gonna be a lot more what is that word? Drama. There, That's the word that Butch Jones always used. Like drama. When, when Tennessee had like no drama on signing days, he was always like, "We had no drama today, and that's always good." They well, enjoy, they, they sold that last year. Uh, yeah, that was well. They tried to sell that class yeah. a lot of ways. Um, that it seems like it's going to be a little bit different from last year. It's not probably. It's probably going to be a little. Would you say probably the biggest, most topsy turvy, unpredictable one since when? I at least at least two years ago, we, we were talking about that earlier before we started recording with Nigel Warrior and Jonathan Kongbo. We we felt pretty good about Nigel Warrior going there, into they signing had, day. They had Latrell Williams that day too, yeah. I think, right? And no one re- no one really knew what Kongbo was going to do. There was information was sort of all over the place. I don't on know that if Kongbo knew what Kongbo was. going And do. yeah, that's that that whole saga turned into be turned into a post signing day story yeah, he when didn't, he, didn't he hadn't sign, yeah. he hadn't signed a letter of intent. So, uh, so yeah, there, that year there was some drama, but not, it was only a few guys really. So this, 
in terms of the number of guys, it's definitely been at least three or four years since we've seen Tennessee waiting on on this many big names to decide. Now, I'll go ahead and warn people as we just we just went down a big list here. Some of these guys will probably end up committing before signing day, so you'll have some, some of them names. already are obviously some committed too anyway. So yeah. they're not going to have anything to announce. Yeah, so some might not have final decisions to announce. They may just sign quietly. Uh, but got, you know, Warren Thompson is a good example. Four star wide receiver visited Tennessee a couple weeks ago. Already committed to Florida State. Uh, Michael Williams, a three star athlete linebacker type from Louisiana. Not that Michael Williams. Yeah, and he he committed to Texas. Um, so you've had some guys already go off the board the last couple of weeks, and and more that still might before. For signing day, uh, Connus Miller, the four-star defensive tackle, already reaffirmed his commitment to Auburn uh, coming off How that, did that Tennessee visit go on Sunday. Right? It was it was very brief. It wasn't an interview. He wasn't going to give an interview, and then just said, "I'm going. I'm signing. I'm going to Auburn." That's how he said it. Going to Auburn. So, so yeah, we'll see. More names go will probably away. leave me alone. So more names will probably come off the board. And if you get to signing day and there are 20 guys left, considering Tennessee, just go ahead and prepare yourself for the likelihood that 15 of those guys are going to end up at other schools because mathematically you can't add them all. Um, and Tennessee only has a handful of spots left. So there's probably going to be more no's than yeses on signing day for Tennessee. The key is where will those handful of yeses come from uh, between now and, and next Wednesday? It, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I have an idea on one or two of those guys they might get, but definitely not all of them. Ryan, before we – I know you got to get out of here really soon, so uh, we will end with this part with you, and then Patrick and I will, will take it down the stretch. And then we have to do listener questions before we get out of here. So if you're not here, uh, what we'll do is I will – You'll, if you could just go on the thread and see them and then text your responses to us, we will then read oh, your okay. responses <laughs> on here in, in Ryan voice while playing Ryan music. And we I don't want to hear your impersonation. Here comes number. Ryan's music. Is that Ryan's music I hear? Uh, but yes, I'm going to let you handle the Ryan impression. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it. Don't worry. I got it. When we get to that point, though, we will. But before you get out of here, Ryan, what would be, what would be a realistically good finish for Tennessee and for all I know it might be just holding on to what you have but what would be a good finish for Tennessee and then what would be if it's a big final flop on the weekend you know how how big of a disappointment is that I I think a top 15 finish is realistic it takes probably another big name to get them there but if they can get a Quay Walker or someone like that and he's maybe their best option down the stretch there's still some others in play Jacob Copeland um, we'll see about Elijah Griffin or someone like that still being an option but you know, Quay Walker looks like the best bet. If you can get someone like that, you've got a sh- you've got a chance to get, I think, a top fifteen finish. It, I think anything in the top twenty, people ought to be okay. I think, considering, like we said, the the short time they've been working with, a top twenty finish, and you can't complain too much. But I think top fifteen is realistic, and if they get that, people should be ecstatic because at the time Jeremy Pruitt was hired, I said, I don't know if they can pull off a top fifteen finish. So the fact that they that they were even talking about that, I think, is pretty impressive. I think it's a pretty good that's a pretty good way to put that ryan well we appreciate you stopping by fort rucker studio today now uh now get out absolutely and uh, i will not be listening to your impersonation of me or maybe i will i don't know but we will need you to uh to check those check those questions that have been asked to you on the board uh and then just text us and then we will or i guess you could also just post you. on the board and we will read those answers sure yeah that works too yeah but then there would be evidence of what he told us you're leaving a paper trail. Whereas if he just texted it to us and then we could say whatever we wanted and claim that he said it. I'm sorry to pick up on that. I think you just convinced me to post it on the board. Well, thanks for ruining my plan, Patrick. That's okay. It's not a big deal. I didn't know you had a plan. I didn't know that that was... See, I already turned off Ryan's microphone. He's trying to talk right now. I'm sorry, Ryan. What were you saying? Go ahead. I'll turn you back on. Wes is devious like that. He's usually planning something to try to make me sound sound bad. That sounds about accurate. 
That sounds about accurate. Now I'm going to turn Ryan's microphone off again. And no Bye, matter, nobody, Ryan. No matter what he says the rest of this time, no one's going to hear him. So take that, Ryan. Before, though, we are going to get to the listener questions, though, in all seriousness. I have been saying that we're going to get to that at the end of every podcast, and we have been doing that. But right now, uh, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to get back to – we usually do team first and then do some recruiting stuff, but because uh, Ryan's time today was uh, precious, he had to get out of here to do something, we will, uh, we're flipping that order around. And now we're going to get to uh, a segment that we're going to call uh, State of the Program. Patrick? Do you think do you think we can do this? I think we can do this. You think we can do this? We might need some Yeah. <laughs> Sounds very patriotic music right now. It is. I want to stand up and clap for it. Here it comes. Hmm. So Patrick, what is the state of the balls right now? Well, I think obviously with the new coach, it's all about the future. Nothing about you know, the past doesn't matter if you're if you're a player on this team. It's a clean slate. What you did in the past doesn't matter. That's a good thing for some guys. Maybe not a good thing for other guys. Um, but this roster, it needs some. I think it needs some serious work, and I think that Jeremy Pruitt and his coaching staff also think that it needs some serious work. I think that they are uh, perhaps concerned about the number of quality SEC caliber players they have on it that they're inheriting. But the caveat with that is what new head coaches come in and said. I love this roster. This is a great roster. I'm inheriting. I'm inheriting a good situation. I think maybe if you are a like a group of five coach, or maybe if you're taking over a group of five program, like someone in the American Athletic Conference who just lost their coach. If you're if you're going to UCF, you probably like that roster. It just went thirteen and zero or fourteen and zero. Actually, there's some draft picks on that team too. By the way, there's some guys that are that are really high on draft boards and stuff that were on that team. So. Yeah, but I mean, again, it's probably, you know, Charlie Strong probably got to South Florida and said, you know what, Willie Taggart left me a pretty good situation, left me Quentin Flowers. But at the Power Five level, at the SEC level, I would say rarely, it may be at a place like Mississippi State. I think Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State is probably saying, you know what, Dan Mullen did not leave the cupboard bare. Yeah. Especially in terms of Mississippi State talent. But at a place like Tennessee or a place like big-time programs, a lot of times new coaches are stepping in because someone got fired, in which case – the roster probably wasn't that good. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it's very rare that uh, that you're bringing in. Hey, uh, this roster's so good. This team's been doing so good that um, you know we're just going to fire the coach that we got and go get a new one because that's how good things are right now. Uh, you're obviously going to make a change. Normally, you're going to fire someone because well, either they've embarrassed themselves off the field or things have not been going well on the field. So. I go back and forth on just how bad this Tennessee roster is, and I, and I'll be honest. There's some days where I go, man, they're just that just that thing looks terrible, and then there's other days where I go, you know, if they, if, they, if this guy plays well and that guy plays well, yeah, they got a chance. Uh, a lot of this depends on Jawan Jennings coming back. There's no question about that. Uh, they need him in so many ways. This team needs him to be back out there, um, but there are some. Some major question marks, you know. Will, will will that offensive line be worth a flip? We don't know. Uh, will Tennessee get any kind of a pass rush? We, we don't really know. Uh, how will that team react to a new style on defense? We, we, we don't know. There, there's a lot of things that – there's more questions than there are answers, including my biggest question, aside from the obvious, which is reacting to the new staff. Uh, there's two questions I got. One, can they block anybody? And two – uh, can they cover any wide receiver ever? That you know, <laughs> do they have cornerbacks who can do anything? That, that those are my questions. And 
admittedly, those are two places where you don't really want to have questions. You want to say, yeah, pretty good blocking people. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good uh, covering people on the perimeter. Uh, you want to be good there. And especially if you want to bring the heat the way that Pruitt does on defense, you, you've got to be able to cover on the back end. And I, I like where Tennessee is at the safety spot. Um, even though that was in Galden, I, I like. I think Abernathy's bound to have a much better season. I think he's a better player than he showed last season. I do too. Uh, and uh, he had graded in the eighties the year before, and then dropped down to like the fifties and sixties uh, his next year, which was he, just he was not very good. I will say this though: I think his father passing away right before the season, you know, in the off season. Yeah. I as close as he and his in fa- his family are, and as close as he and his dad were. I think that has to matter. I think that I don't want to make excuses for the kid because he wouldn't make excuses for himself. He's not that kind of kid. But I think that maybe could play a factor in the focus because he's normally such a smart kid. I wonder if that was a part of the problem. But at corner, I don't, Patrick, I don't, I don't know what their answers are unless they can go get some guys in recruiting or go get a, a grad transfer or a JUCO guy in the summer. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do at corner. Yeah, and you make a good point on Abernathy um, because, I mean, we've, we've seen how good he can be. You know, September 2016, he was, he was really good. His first couple games as a starter – App State, Virginia Tech, Florida, Georgia, he was good in those games. And then he was just – he had like two or three nagging injuries, and then you make a good point about sort of his, his personal situation this past year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think offensive line and cornerback are two problem areas. I think they need to get at least two of these cornerbacks that they're trying to sign. And it, and if you're Tennessee and you can't get two of those cornerbacks, you got to be scratching your head because you're like – you could literally be a starter the day you step on campus if you're as good as the recruiting ratings say that you are. Yeah, I, the I, offensive line's a little bit murkier because, you know, I, what are they going to do? Is Chance Hall going to be healthy? You know, he's a guy that's proven he can be really good. He could be one of your tackles. What are you going to do with Trey Smith? You can play him anywhere. You're going to need him to play anywhere. Um, you know, can they get? Can Drew Richmond play? You know, can he improve at all? And so, let me flip this back on you though. What positions do you feel good about? I, I would say you feel good about running back because you got Ty Chandler, who I think is going to be a star. And like, you've got some quality guys around him. And I like got Timmy Robert Jordan in this system. If they're going to block yeah. running downhill, because they want to smash it. They want to smash it right yeah. at you. They want to open it up through play action, traditional kind of stuff, wham, come at you, and then hit you over the top with some play action. And, and you got to be able to run to do that. And I think that – I don't know if they're going to be able to block the way they need to to get that done right now. But I think that the way that Jordan, that, that Timmy Jordan can just get the ball and just go smash it downhill like Kelly could, that kind of, that kind of player, uh, I, I like him in this system if they can block worth the flip. And, and Chandler's a, just a dynamic guy who can uh, go catch the ball. He can, he can play he can, in any He system. can play in space. He's just, you know, as coaches say, he's a dude. That, that's, yeah. a, he's not, that's not a guy that's a dude. So that's a position that, that if I'm looking at this roster just from – I feel good about that position if I'm Tennessee. Because you've also got a guy that's proven that he can take guys who are supposed to be studs and make them play like studs. And you can, you've got a guy in Gillespie who's taken guys that were under the radar and aka John Kelly and make them play well. And he also, you know, they, they missed they didn't have John Kelly for Kentucky last year. Didn't even didn't even skip a beat with with Chandler and Carlin Phillips and me and Tim Jordan. So the other position I think on defense and it's going to be it's going to it's going to sound weird when I say it. It's, it might be linebacker. I mean, you've got three guy. You got three, I think, quality mm-hmm. players think there. That's, that's, if that's Darren that's Kirkland fine. is healthy, but that's obviously a big if because we've not seen him healthy in two years. If you've got him and Batuli and Corte Sapp, I think that's something that you can work with. And then you're bringing in a guy like JJ Peterson, who is a potential. You know, if he's again, if he's as advertised, could contribute right away. So you know, th- that's a position I think. Again, you're expecting an upgrade in coaching, 
from a position coach standpoint. Uh, and Batuli has shown that he can play. I think Saf has got a lot of ability if he stays healthy. You know, can they get anything from Austin Smith? <laughs> you know, he's your guy. My dude. Uh, he would be a great like, dude. hybrid he, DE he, outside he, linebacker. He, he, in he's system. one of my ninjas. He's one of my ninjas. But he's never been healthy, and so he's a complete unknown. Um, and you know, you got a lot of veterans on this defensive line, but uh, they're so they, – they haven't really – Impressed me a whole lot, other than the moments that Shy Tuttle has been healthy enough to show that he can be pretty good. Yeah, th- there's. I like a lot of what they have at linebacker. If those guys will stay in one piece, and <laughs> yeah. and and if those guys will completely buy in, and, and not just buy in, because I think they'll buy in. I think they're those kind of guys. They'll buy in, but will they pick up and will they fit in this system? Because you have to fit your your players around what you want to do. Um, you know, you, you you fit to the talent you have, not the system that you want. So a good coach, any coach worth his salt is always going to do that. But And I think they've got guys yeah, that can do that. And I know that, that you know, you, Kirkland will pick up anything. He will pick up any uh, system quickly. And I quickly. think he's important because if yeah. he can handle the communication part of yeah. it, oh, then yeah. you can let Batuli go and play ball. That's yeah. what he needs to do. He, he can do that for sure. But I, I wonder, the other guys around him, will they pick it up quickly? Will they be able to read and react? Will they be able to you know, get everything to where it needs to go you know, verbally? Um, and then on the, on the back end, you know, will you have a guy? You Because know, Abernathy probably is, will, will pick this thing up pretty quickly. Um, he and Nigel Warrior are both pretty pretty good football minds. Um, but I think if those two linebackers in the middle, if they will pick it up quickly and they will stay healthy, I think that's going to be a key to a lot of this defense. Now, it's kind of a no-duh, Wes, but losing Kirkland and losing Reese Mabin the past couple of years, that really threw a wrench into everything they wanted to do on defense, and they can't let that happen again. Yeah, and kind of just looking at the overall talent level of this roster, you're inheriting – you know, you look at the last three classes, Tennessee ranked 17th nationally last year, 14th in 2016, and fourth in 2015. And you're probably thinking, hey, they got a, they, they got a top five, former top five class on the roster. Well, sort of, not really anymore. Uh, I'm doing, I'm kind of going through this right now and revisiting how that class has panned out on GoVols 24-7. Second part of it is coming, I think, later today or tomorrow. Um, they signed 30 guys in that class. I think at most 12 of them are going to be on on this team. Do you want me to read through the 12, or do you want to read through the guys that aren't going to be here? Let's go through the 12 first. Uh, all right, we'll start from the bottom. One is uh, long snapper, Riley Levengood, who's not even their full-time long snapper. He wasn't last year. He only did, I think, punts. Yeah, they did have. They had, they had, they, a, they had th- a field goal long snapper. Th- they had a short snapper specialist and a long snapper specialist. <laughs> so they had that. Um, let's That's see. maybe the most Butch Jones thing I've ever heard. Scrolling up. That, this is including if Chance Hall is, is going to play again, which I think is very much up in the air given the situation with his knee. We don't know. There's not really been a whole lot of info on that. But there, I think there is some serious concern. He may not be a factor. There has been concern there, and that would be a shame because he yes. is a really, a really and good player. And by the way, congratulations to him. He got engaged uh, in the past oh. month or so. So congratulations, Chance. He's always been a good kid. And, uh, yeah. You know, he's always got his priorities straight it, to where they need to be, just a good kid, you know, all that stuff. And but and but, but he need, if, he, if he can stay healthy, he's a good football if player. If he's never been healthy, I mean, he had the Achilles injury his senior of high school. That's why a lot of people didn't think he would come in right away. We're talking about a future NFL player when he's a true freshman. Yeah. I mean, he comes yeah. in there, you're like, wow, look how good that kid is. I mean, is. he totally, I mean, he bossed Leonard Floyd. Yeah. He did. He game. 100% Just did. Straight off straight off the bench, bossed a guy that went in, in number 10 overall in the next draft. Uh, going back up the list, Austin Smith, another guy that's been often injured. Quay Piku, bring the boat home. 
bring that. That needs to be a hot board, but a hot board like a hot key for our board. <laughs> that needs to be like a bring that boat on home. We don't know what Quay's going to do in the system, but he's going to be there and he'll probably have a role. Daryl Taylor is a uh, fringe top two four seven guy. He's still got a couple years of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. Um, Good pulling up some more, skipping through some guys that aren't here anymore. Abernathy, Sat, we've mentioned. Uh, Juwan Jennings, obviously. Fun fact: Juwan Jennings was the number six dual threat quarterback in the 24-7 composite uh, in the 2015 class. The number five quarterback was uh, Sam Darnold, <laughs> who's probably got a, about to make a boatload of money. Yeah. <laughs> so that's always yeah. fun to look back at. Uh, Dar- uh, Darren Kirkland, obviously. And then you get to some of the higher-rated guys, Drew Richmond, Shy Tuttle, and Kyle Phillips. Those are the 12 guys that are left from this class. Tennessee signed, in addition to Alvin Kamara, they signed five of the top – 56 players in the 24-7 sports composite in 2015. That's but that class is pretty much gutted. Yeah, that that that's you've had that's a lot of guys like that haven't lived up to the high billing or they battled injuries. Or in Juwan's case, he's battled being a knucklehead sometimes. So the top five class you think you're inheriting is not really it's not really there. <laughs> and so that that sort of that sort of illustrates the point that this roster may not be in that great of shape. Yeah, that there's if this roster was in such good shape, then even a a bad coaching staff would have but been able to to to, to you know it's and just the counterpoint it, to this is that this roster with a better coaching staff last year is probably seven and two going into November. Probably because there were three games that you could just about pinpoint and, and say, a couple you, of better breaks along the way too. Yeah, but a I couple mean, of guys not getting you no know, Kirkland staying healthy, a couple true. things like that. Which, hey. but even with those, even with those guys out, you should have won the Florida game. You yeah, had every I mean, chance ba- to win that Bama game. Bama lost all kinds of linebackers and didn't complain. Just yeah. went out there and kept winning. You had every chance to win the South Carolina game. You're thrown in the end zone at the end of that game. You had what three red zone trips earlier? Yeah, and then the Kentucky game, which was even the most explainable one because since you kind of dominated that game when you look at it. Especially in the second half, they were in complete control and they just didn't put the game away. And then that was the kind of game Tennessee's loss against Kentucky last season was the kind of loss that Kentucky usually has against Tennessee. When you're like, man, Tennessee's just kind of hanging around here. They're not. They're playing. They're not playing good. And then, hey, look, they they end up winning because that's what they do. I mean, they they were they were in control defensively. I think they given up less than 100 yards. And then they let Kentucky go right down the field at the end of the game after the offense squandered multiple chances put the game away because they couldn't score in the red zone. They couldn't score in the scoring zone. They couldn't kick field goals. So uh, some of the guys that aren't left from that class, Khalil McKenzie, again, a head scratcher. We could have a whole podcast on Khalil, what that was. Khalil, what are you doing? Uh, Khalil, come back. You would have been a great fit in this system, kid. What are you doing? And then, obviously, Alvin Kamara was part of this class. Yeah. It only took a year and a half for Tennessee to realize how good he was. Yeah, Some I, people knew not, how good he was. Not to belabor the point, but maybe he should have gotten the football more when he was at Tennessee. Um, Preston Williams, shout out to the resort. He's going to be eligible again at, at Colorado State this year. Preston Williams, RIP, as Justin um, Martin always Jack said. Jones, another unfortunate situation. Uh, kid that loved and that Tennessee. hurt Tennessee too yeah, because that I mean, was a, that's a good prospect. I mean, there was that's a guy who his first couple of years was saying, "What do they got to do to get what what what's got to happen for this kid to get on the field more?" He goes out there and he plays well, but any last season he just he struggled, and then you find out why, and it's yeah. it's unfortunate. Uh, Sharon Jones, the hero of the Battle of Bristol, MVP at the Battle of Bristol. Uh, Justin Martin. You promised you wouldn't do this. Justin Martin, part of this class. Uh, Andrew Butcher, another unfortunate injury situation. Your kid had, I think, four major surgeries in less than two years. Yeah, but uh, apparently now getting back into the game at uh, Kennesaw State. Yeah, he's, he's a he, he's a fighting owl. He, well, not yet. He plans to he plans to enroll in the summer. Uh, well, he's going to be he's a going fighting to be. a fighting owlman. Uh, a fighting owlman is that how you would say? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, Quinn Dormady. They signed three quarterbacks in this class. 
Uh, zero of them are left, except Jennings, but he's a receiver now. That's bad, right? Uh, uh, Vinzel Boulware, another guy that, again, would he be here if the coaching staff had handled him better? I, I still guess. don't know why he didn't just – I mean, it, the awkwardness – He could have come back midseason yeah, and yeah, started. Like the awkward – the only thing I can think of is either one, he's got some boys down there that he just really wants to play with at Miami. And he's going to Miami, by the way. We yeah. Should, we should mention that. Beautiful campus, you know, Bermuda grass all over the whole thing. It's, it's a great place to be. But, uh, I, you know, I, the only thing I can think of is that the awkwardness – of him having to go back in, in the same locker room with his guys after he quit the team, uh, which I don't think would have been that big of a deal because I think a lot of those guys on that team understood just how frustrated they and a lot of other guys were about that that coaching staff and the way a lot of things went down. But you could maybe say there's some awkwardness that Bulware wouldn't want to go back into the team after he had left the team midway through the season. So I get that. But still, if you were trying to get playing time at a big-time program against a big-time schedule to show your ability for the next level, if you're Vinzel Bulware, you're not going to have a better situation than the one you're leaving, which is bizarre. Yeah, but I think at that point, you know, he had not won the starting job to Jack Jones, and then they started him against UMass, and then they they – they pretty much shuffled the lineup yeah, and didn't include him against Georgia. And I think at that point he's like, I'm done. Um, going down this class again, we're getting to the fun parts now. Kyle Oliver, Murphy's Bow kid, didn't – I don't think he even made it through like a couple months at Tennessee. He wound up tra- He wound up going to JUCO, then to Memphis. I think he was at Tennessee State last year. Stephen Griffin chipped in some safety. He would probably would have played a little bit last year. Yeah, I made a couple big plays for him when yeah. he came in the game uh, a couple years ago. Transferred to NC State. Daryl Miller, quarterback out of Texas, did very little. We should have asked him. We should have brought him on the podcast, asked him about Dave Dorn. <laughs> uh, Daryl Miller is now at Louisiana Lafayette, by the way. Uh, Vincent Perry, Kyle Phillips' Hillsborough teammate in Nashville. He's now at uh, Iowa Western, I think, or was. Is that a thing? It's a junior college. Okay. Jacquez Bruce, South Doyle kid from down the road here in Knoxville. Who still could have been in Tennessee if he hadn't come to Tennessee and been an idiot the first couple months he was there. Tommy so, Townsend, a punter, uh, Army All-American bowl punter. He decided after a year he would go and uh, join his brother down in Florida, which is really you, weird. I got to tell you, but after watching practice that first year he was there, he, he was never really great. I mean, he got again, Trevor Daniel. Yeah, then, then again, I'll say this. When when you're having to punt next to Trevor Daniel, you're, you're going to look weak most of the time, but... I remember watching Matt Dar his first couple seasons at Tennessee and yeah. going, man, this guy sucks out loud. And because well, Dar would hit like a 60 yarder and then he would hit one like over toward the baseball field yeah. over in the street that's hitting a parked car. And, you know, I, I never thought that guy would, would get it turned around, but he did and, you know, turned himself into an NFL player. But, but still, you know, Townsend never really wowed me the year he was at Tennessee. And uh, his brother has been Florida's punter, a very good punter, I should add. Probably will get drafted, potentially. Yeah, yeah good punter. Uh, and so I think Townsend will probably try to – we'll see if he takes over that job down there. And then two last two names, Joe Young, mighty Joe Young. Yeah. He's a late addition running back. Student assistant coach Joe Young. Yeah, had to uh, – I think injuries had to cut his mm-hmm. – cut short his career. That's and then, correct. Uh, Zach Stewart, another guy who was from up the road in Cofield, up the road – a ways and then yeah, had a personal situation just, really really the, really with tough with his mom and that's yeah. just you know that's just a, just a brutal brutal situation when when you're that age and you know you look at look at Abernathy this season too as I just mentioned you know sometimes things that have nothing to do with football can really affect you on the field people forget that that how yeah. how and these and guys I, are people and kids yeah and I don't mean volatile in the way that they're angry or anything but I mean volatile as in it's hard to process things sometimes at that age and when something bad happens 
you know, some guys are able to put in that laser focus and 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 improve and get all that. And then there's other guys who just kind of struggle with stuff like that. And, and that's very, very human thing to do. Like I'm, uh, you know, I'm, anything happens to my parents, I'd, I'd freak out. You know, my grandmother passed away. She was the only grandparent I ever had, and we were really close. And, you know, that was really hard for me for like a year, basically, uh, on and off. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's sometimes it has nothing to do with football. But my point is that you look at that Zach Stewart thing, you look at Mike Abernathy, it's easy to forget that these are guys going through a really important period in their lives. And when things happen that aren't football related, sometimes it is going to affect you. So we, you mentioned earlier on the podcast that Pruitt has his, his guys and dudes. Yeah, just a guy. How many or, dudes or that's are dude. on this team? All right. Trey Smith is one. Yeah. Nigel Warrior's a dude. Nigel Warrior's a dude. I think Batuli's a dude. Batuli's a dude. I'm looking. I'm going over the roster right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna Daryl s- Taylor can be a dude. Daryl Taylor's a dude. Um, I would definitely put Daryl Taylor in the dude category. Now he's got to prove is he more of a jack outside linebacker or is he going to be able to muscle up and be a defensive end in this system? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I'm interested to see what Shytel does this year because when he's healthy, he's a dude. Well, you think about it the last two off seasons he's been, what's he been doing? He's been spending his life in the, in the treatment room rehabbing. Now he's going to have an off season where he can actually like focus on football. Yeah. And I would still treat him with kid gloves. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't risk anything with him. No cut blocks. Especially with no Khalil there. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I mean, he. I, I'm interested to see what he looks like. I think Schamberger can be a dude. I think I, I think Sapp is a dude. I, I think Corte Sapp is a dude. Uh, I think Schamberger could be a dude. I think he's got some potential dude. He's going to have to be one. He, he's, got some, he's got some dude qualities. I, you know, you, you, your first start is against Alabama, and you're, you're lined up with Calvin Ridley the first series, or the, really the whole game. And – your second or third play, you see a, a bubble screen and you knife in there and make that play. Yeah. I can work with that. Yeah, I can work with that. I think Kirkland's a dude when he's healthy. So we're we're naming guys, not a lot of guys on offense. <sighs> they need some playmakers. Um Ooh. I mean if you're looking for playmakers, I think the top two guys may have to be Ty Chandler and Marquez Calloway. Yeah. Beyond that though, I mean I think Brandon Johnson could be solid. What are they going to do with tight end? I'm, I'm loving life if Brandon Johnson's like my number three wide receiver. Yeah. I'm loving life if that's the case. Yeah. And if he's my number two, now he could I'm be. okay he with that. He could be your number three if Jennings is back and Callaway's yeah. playing well. And, healthy, and I, so. I'm, 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 I'm loving life if, if that's the situation. Now, now you've got guys who potential dudes. These are, these are guys. Dudes, yeah. These are guys who could be dudes. Uh, I'll go on that list, guys who could be dudes, uh, Garantano, I'll throw him in that list, a guy who could become a dude. He's, he's become very polarizing. Yeah. There, Anytime I write something about him, everybody in the thread is either bashing him or, like, giving him a pass. Well, anytime, anytime there's a quarterback broken. competition, the guys are going to pick sides. Yeah, but, I mean, like, it, it's either, like, everyone thinks he's terrible or everyone is, like, and this is where I fall. He's got talent. But last year was such a mess that you can't really hold it against him. I think everything was broken around him, Blank and so slate. you didn't really get to see like, like what's he going to do with a guy that's coached some decent quarterbacks? That's true. What's he going to do in a new system? Um, he's not a runner. That's another. I think that's another problem is that people thought he would he was going to come in and be Josh Dobbs. He's not a runner. He's going to. No. He's he's. His he is, is he is his a arm. drop back passer who can run when he needs to. Yes, and so uh, I think he could be one too. Another guy. I'm two guys I'm interested to watch this spring are Riley Locklear. He actually did some pretty good. He actually had some decent grades mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the season when he was playing a lot. Tough and, dude, and country, was, country tough. And he was, um, you know, redshirting until last week of October when they're like, "Hey, he might have to start against 
Southern Miss. Uh, country, yeah, like I said, country dude. Um, I think guys who could be dudes. Are we talking just offense right now or both? I haven't sides? got to my second guy yet. Hold on. Uh, I, you know, I think Locklear could be, you know, what they're going to do at center. I think he could be a guy there. Yeah. And I'm interested to see Theo Jackson. I, I really love that kid's um, I like high school film. Yep. He was all over the field. He played safety, receiver, quarterback, uh, return kicks. He's a, he, he could be a dude. Um, if, if Abernathy doesn't start playing better, I think Jackson is a guy that, that could be interesting to watch. Um, and he could be a guy that, you know, if you're looking at for the future, I mean, if, if Nigel Ware has a good year, you have to think he's going to at least explore the NFL after this season. Yeah. And then you got two say you got two seniors there in Abernathy and Kelly. So Jackson could be a guy that if you have a chance to get him some, 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 some playing time this year, that, that'd be a guy that you need to uh, maybe look towards developing towards the future. Yeah. And then who you got uh, guys who could be dudes. Uh, I've already mentioned Austin Smith. I think there's no – everyone knows how I feel he's about that kid. He's on every one of your lists he's, ever. He's just – he's when you watch him, sometimes you go, wow. And then sometimes you go, ugh. Just depends. Uh, another guy who could be a dude uh, is Kyle Phillips. Uh, I, I'm, I still believe in that kid. He's a hard worker. He's an extremely good kid. He works every day. He's got talent. He just needs to stay healthy, find a position, and, and he needs to he needs to do that. I, I like the mentality a lot of, of, of Timmy Jordan. I think he's a guy who – uh, I just love his toughness. Uh, I love the way that he plays the game. Uh, I think he's a guy who, who could end up uh, being a dude. And then uh, let's let's not miss the forest for the trees here. Tyler Bird is a guy who maybe he just you know what just you talk about guys who just need a, a new start. Just okay, give him a new start. That's fine. Let Tyler Bird let him go play wherever position he wants to play. <coughs> Cornerback. <laughs> safety his twitter says he's already a defensive back so yeah, let's let's just go ahead and assume corner. that's happening yeah people assume corner i, I think he, there's a chance he might be a safety more than a corner we'll, we'll a wait nickel. and see uh yeah that that could work um he's a guy i think who could be a dude you mentioned theo jackson that was going to be on my list of guys who could be dudes and and then uh, other than that i mean you know I, I, here's one name i will mention because i think when you look at guys don't say combo no um, combos improve it to me mode. Uh, you talk about a guy who you look up in a couple years and could be in the NFL in terms of w- what his ability is. Uh, Marcus Tatum is a guy who uh, you just, when you, if he could have redshirted either the past two years, everything looks different now because he's a sophomore going yeah, into the season. There's a chance he might have redshirted last year. He only played in four games. Yeah, we'll, we'll you, wait and see. They, he was hurt at some point. Yeah, we'll wait and see. He, he was. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is 6'6", 281. He came in at like 6'6", 260. Long arms, big hands. He's just got that that NFL offensive tackle potential build. And he's a guy who got those really long arms. He's got some strength to him. I, I, he, he could be a dude. Yeah, I think if if they if he really hits it hard in the weight room under the new strength coach and and he has a big summer physically, I think he's a guy who who could end up being a good football player. And then I don't know if he'll ever be a dude, but I think he's a good football player. I've said it for years. I'll continue to say it until I'm blue in the face. Eli freaking Wolf oh boy, is a go. kid who can make plays. I'm telling you, he's he not can an make plays. Tight end in this in this offense. Oh God, no. But split them out, do a couple things with them. You got to play with the pieces that you have. You have to play. You can't always have the system that you want at first. You got to do. You know, it's like it's like Pruitt says. Sometimes when he was a high school coach, you got 130, 150 pound defensive lineman. You know, you got to go figure out a way to make it work. And so I think that's a guy. That's a guy who could do that. Now, before we get out of here, as always, we we try so, to, to wrap that up. Though I think we we were probably a little bit generous in in our count of. 
prove it dudes, potential dudes. Yeah, there. I, I think single digit proven dudes, and, and then maybe double digit guys I, who could be dudes. I did a countdown of building blocks, which is sort of long. And I picked ten of them. I maybe could have done fifteen. Mm-hmm. That's all I could have justified, which I think should explain it should illustrate that this roster isn't in that great a shape. That's true. Now, uh, now, now, Patrick. Now to the reader question. I, I was about to say, Doctor Segway. Are we ready to? Are we ready to yes. move on? Uh, you want to get Pivot. to our, you want to get to ours first or Ryan's first? Uh, ours. Okay. Uh, well, you sure? Because then we can get Ryan. Because then that makes we that means Ryan goes last. Do we want that? Yeah, we do want Ryan to go last. That's fine. Last and least is what we'll do. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, question Ju eighty six has a couple good questions here. Again, we usually say one per post, but it's okay. We'll get to all three of these in the same post. Uh, how clean one is how clean is the on-field slate for every returning player squeaky clean squeaky clean i don't know how much the staff has really got a chance to like dive into the evaluation of this team and i don't know how much they will i think they honestly i think a lot of new coaches want to base uh their personnel off what they see themselves as opposed to what they did under a new system where they weren't involved yeah i think it's uh, been sanitized with clorox bleach and then been you know put to a nice uh, it crystal been, it needs to have been sanitized like three times yeah I, I think it's been sanitized with clorox and then it's been given a nice shine by windex with streak free that you can see right through it i think everything is <laughs> as clean and crystal clear as it gets question two how much film watching from last season is actually valuable i'll say all of it because you can learn something from every single play yes i agree even if you get even if you give a guy a clean slate uh, they'll 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 go back and review it for sure, but I yeah. don't know how much they'll they'll put that they'll they'll take it into their actual evaluations of what they're going to do. Yeah, because you might see something from a guy you go, man, he's not very good at what they had him doing, but if we have him doing this, he can do this. Yeah. So so you can learn something from every play. And then uh, here's a, a really good question: What are the top priorities for Jeremy Pruitt post signing day? Meeting with the media. Just kidding. One on ones with Govals twenty four seven. Film I, sessions with Govals twenty four. I think it has to be a lot of quality control. Um, and I think he also he needs to maybe do a little bit of the kissing babies part of the coaching job. Uh, I think he at this point he's fine in his niche of just yeah, he doesn't love that stuff, but recruiting. I think he's he's pretty sneaky good at it. You saw that press conference; he can do that stuff. Yeah, and that's why he. I think he needs to do more of it. I mean, he needs, and I understand right now it's easy for you to turn down some of those potential opportunities to do promotional type stuff and interviews and whatnot because. I got to get this class together. And that's, you know, that's what he wants to do. He wants to go coach ball and recruit kids. And that's fine. That's his job. That's why Tennessee's paying him, I think, what, 3.8 million a year. Mm-hmm. But there are some parts of, you know, when you become a head coach that you, you know, that, that just come with the job, some of the shaking hands and all that stuff and booster mingling and all it that. It helps him that Fulmer can do some of that stuff for him. True. Um, and so I think that has to be something. But I really think, I really think the big thing is, is that, First of all, he's got to he's got to get everybody in the program who he wants in what positions. Uh, I think that's something he mentioned. Uh, getting, well, like, getting all the support staff spots filled, quality control, graduate assistant, all those things. You got to get those who you want for those spots, and then I think you've also got to, you, with your staff, really dive into the current team. Yeah, when when Saban got to Alabama, he was able to do a lot of the substance over style stuff and then they had mile Moore to sit there and shake hands and kiss babies and tell bear bryant stories at quarterback clubs so you can have some of that dynamic uh with philip fulmer as your ad as long as pruitt's fine with that and i don't i don't know that he cares about it. i think he'd, he'd be fine with that but uh, as philip said to me uh on wednesday i guess when he and i sat down for a while was that if you can recruit you can do that other stuff too 
And, yeah. you know, he, he talked about the way that Pruitt commanded that room when he was at his opening press conference. Now, it's an opening press conference, and if you can't win your opening press conference, that's a really bad sign for things because you, you got to win your first press conference. But he talked about the way that was a big room, and he said that Pruitt controlled it and told good stories and, and was honest and was direct and but was had, had some humor about him and a good sense of humor and all that. So, yeah, I think that, that he can handle all that. But my, my opinion on what his priorities are for, for post-signing day – uh, one is to continue recruiting because, as Ryan noted, uh, Georgia's just in Bama are just lapping the field right now, talent wise in this league. And you got to do whatever you can to to keep on that class for nineteen and and finish as strong as you can. And and then also, uh, I would want to finish up all my quality control coaches, get all my staff in place, and then I would start a crash course on film and, the, uh, and, and the, getting guys ready for spring practice. And there's skill work too, on field skill work that I think the NCAA is sort of relaxed there rules about how much coaches can be involved. I don't think they can use the ball, but they can do some some skill work. That's also where part of the evaluation will take part uh, take place as well. Here's another question from uh, our man Dino slash Dino Vol slash Fole. He said, uh, have you guys ever thought about uh, doing a VIP calling question podcast? would be fun to hear from some of the people on the board. I know I would like to hear some of them. Sotex, J-Bear, uh, PP, etc. Uh, everyone else calls him Pepe. To me, he's, he's PP. Uh, it'd be cool to get some access. Just a thought. That's actually, you know what, Dino? That's a uh, Dino slash Dino. That's a that's a pretty good point. I don't know if we would have to use the WhatsApp uh, app for y'all to send us some voice questions, or if you you could maybe record them on your on your phone and then email them to us, and we could play them that way. I could probably find a way to make that happen. So yeah, I mean, we we always say like this goes out to the masses, but we take care of our own people first. And sure, uh, that's something that that we could look into. Uh, question from uh, Do you have any thoughts on that, Patrick? Are you opposed to that in any way, shape? Sounds or like form? a great idea. <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. Next. Okay, let's see here. I think we're close to over an hour. I didn't actually hit the start time on the Yeah, timer. I know, but we're we're getting out of here quickly. Uh, 13 Marietta Vall said, what players might excel under Pruitt who are buried under the depth chart under Butch Jones? Tyler Bird. That's the first. That's an easy place to start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're looking at uh, him. I think Batuli is another one who you could look at, who who, who is a guy who could do some more uh, in this system, certainly. And, and then beyond that, it's – you know, I got some guys that I wonder about how they're going to fit as well in this system as they did the last one, but you know, I think the first two names that, that come to mind with me, there's a few of them. Uh, one, uh, clearly Tyler Bird. Uh, Austin Smith is another one uh, because of the system, the style that they're going to play uh, is one. And then, um, I don't know, maybe with the downhill running game, maybe someone like Timmy Jordan could have a, could, could have a good performance. Well, there's a lot of guys on this uh on this team that the co- previous coaching staff would talk up. I think one guy that, that pops in my mind is Latrell Bumpus. Mm-hmm. He could be he's, – he's more maybe what they're going to want at tight end. Yeah. Bigger body. Yep. Uh, better blocking presence than – Maybe he could be a dude. Better blocking presence than your boy Eli Wolf or Austin Pope. Yeah, when you're 265 pounds or whatever and you're out there playing center field for your high school baseball team, <laughs> you're a pretty versatile athlete. Yeah, and so I think he's the guy that, that – I wish we had seen more of last year, but we never did. <laughs> Another uh, question here from uh, from Snowballs. Uh, last week, you you talked about the explicit version podcast from the Butch Jones era. When is that being released? That's up to you. We're, that's a you question. <sighs> yeah, we're, we got to keep this thing family friendly. Maybe I'll have a. I, I'm not ruling that out at some point, but you know, I think for now we will. I'll, I'll keep happily collecting my paycheck. But let's just say at some point in the future. 
that could come up and and maybe when the statute of limitations passes you know like there are some 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 things now about Dooley that I never would have mentioned before that I mentioned years after he left and I've laughed about him and you know we'll 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 do that I so think you at least have to wait till Butch gets a new job right yeah that's true Butch and Walt Wells and Kevin Beer the only only coaching staff members from last year that have yet to find new jobs and his second question again again guys one question per post but we he, should just start answering the first question just to prove a point yeah, but sometimes the, the the better questions come later, and so it's That's kind of frustrating. True. But uh, they don't write them in the inverted pyramid style, um, which no one journalism kids learn anymore because it's all internet these what days. Is, what is journalism? What is journalism? Is that a you you googly? Also, uh, he said, "What are your thoughts about thirty year old men recruiting high school kids that are not affiliated with the university?" Uh, I'll answer that in one word: pathetic. Wait, what's the what's the thing? What? He said, what are y'all's thoughts about 30-year-old men recruiting high school kids when they have no affiliation with the university? Is that, is that happening? Have you, have you ever been on Twitter, sir? Oh, yeah. I always like the flow chart that's like, should I tweet recruits? And then it's like, no. <laughs> and then they're should, like, yeah. well, I really want him to come to my school. No. No. Every, no. <laughs> uh, or he could be mentioning the fact that our Keith Niebuhr, one of our coworkers, mentioned that there was a, a prospect who – was calling a, a media member that he'd been talking to coach because he thought that person was recruiting them oh boy. to the university, which if you're doing that, um, you have entered my journalism hall of shame, and I would not call you a journalist, and I would uh, kick you out of the club. The, the, you're, you would not be allowed in my journalism treehouse when you do that. The uh, the term media has become such an overgeneralized term that includes everyone. We'll even, die on that hill, Patrick. People, we will die on that media. hill. We will die on that hill, Patrick. We will die even on that hill. the people that aren't media are now dubbed as media. Let's see here. We might have one or two here for Ryan before we get out of here. I think he's been on here because, okay, let's see here. Ryan said, Ryan was asked. Let's say not Ryan was asked. We were asked, and since it was a recruiting question, (laughs) Ryan is going to answer it. Uh, Ryan was asked, why is Eddie Smith such a take, big take for Alabama? Because he's good. I thought they would have to be in play for higher-ranked players. Are they all in on him? And Ryan's question is, Alabama wants a couple more corners, and Smith isn't behind too many guys on the tight board right now. Remember, he's a four-star in 24-7 sports rankings. He's not much of an under-the-radar guy now. That was my Ryan voice. Was it good? It was good, yeah. I can translate that. Ryan answered, Alabama wants a couple more corners, and Smith isn't behind too many guys on their board right now. Remember, he's a four-star in the rankings. He's not that much of an under-radar guy now. Bad news for Tennessee and a lot of places is that whoever Alabama wants, they usually get it's true. That's, so you're, <laughs> that's another flow chart. Does Alabama want them? Do they go to Bama? Yes. Uh, another quote. One of the truest things Derek Dooley ever said in his life is yeah. that Alabama drafts. They don't. <laughs> they don't recruit. They just draft. We all recruit. They draft, and they get the first 25 picks. Uh, Ryan Callahan, question for him, is Emmett Gooden going to qualify to play academically for Tennessee? And then my Ryan voice. I've looked into it again today, and just to be sure, I still haven't heard anything that would suggest <laughs> Tennessee is going to bring in Gooden on a visit this weekend. Academics have prevented the Vols in Florida, among others, from really pushing for him down the stretch and having him visit. Well, if he was going to be on campus this weekend, I think that answers your question. So it doesn't yeah. sound like he's going to be on campus. Okay, very last question, and you and I get to answer it because Ryan does not get to go last, even if it's fake Ryan. Patrick, one breakout player on offense and defense. Ooh, uh, a player that pre- – preferably a player – this is from Blake, uh, 11367. I should say HVAC Vol asked the Emmett Gooden question – and uh, Dino Dino. Thank you guys for asking questions. Yeah, and uh, shout we'll, out to y'all. We'll go Blake one one three six seven said one breakout player on offense and defense, a player that didn't shine under Butch that has the chance to under Pruitt. I think we've already answered this a little bit, but we'll get to it again. Uh, my defense player is Shamberger. Uh, it was weird that he had a decent game against Alabama and then was like never heard from again. Yeah, 
not the first time that happened under uh, previous coaching staff. That's my pick on defense. On offense, I will go. Mm, I think. What do you say? Breakout player. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go Derek Garantano. I think he's better than a lot of people, a lot of Tennessee fans think he is. How about that? I'll go bold. I like it. I'm on. I'm. I guess I'm. I'm on the boat. On defense, uh, be, since I'm allergic to saying Jonathan Combo because he should become a great defensive end in a 3-4 system, but he'll probably be like, oh, I'm an outside linebacker, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, so I'm not going to answer him or Phillips just yet, but I think Tyler Bird's a guy who will, uh, there's no chance that he – there's almost no chance that he does less under the staff that he did under the previous staff because the previous staff just kind of forgot that he existed. He's not officially a defensive back yet, but Twitter officially he is. Twitter, he's Twitter official. <laughs> His Facebook status is a defensive back. Jeremy Pruitt has not come out and said Tyler Bird's moving to defensive back. He's not come out and said that oh, yet. That's true. And then on offense, whew, uh, you pretty much pick anybody because the offense was so. Yes, yeah, it kind of sucked. Uh, I'll say Bumpus. You're still my guy, bro. Is that the guy? Is that the guy you were going to say? No, I already said Garantano, but I mentioned Bumpus earlier. Yeah, you were on the. You're you just. No. You can't be Team Eli Wolf and then say no, Bumpus no, no. Here's question. why I can because I think Eli Wolf is a guy who is better than most people think he is, and I think he's a guy who can help you make some plays to win some games. But you're talking about the good fit for this system, a better fit for this system than the previous system. Harden County in the house. I think that's that's uh, West Tennessee's own uh, Latrell Bumpus. All right. What do you think about that, Patrick? Bumpus says. Is there anything else that we didn't get to? Uh, that we didn't get to mention in this podcast that you want to mention? I think we got everything. You think so? Yeah. Cue the music. (sighs) I guess we'll do that. Seems like a good thing to do. Thanks for listening this week, guys. We will be back. uh, Actually, I guess it'll be in the morning. Uh, You'll have Grant Ramey and I doing a... Sorry, we're bunching them together here, but Ramey and I will be on there for our Hoops podcast, which usually comes out on earlier in the week we'll have it on friday this week since there was a wednesday game and then early next week we will have more on obviously the philip fulmer interview i sat down with him for about mm, 45 minutes uh, probably half an hour of it on the record on wednesday and i'll be having stories throughout the next few days on that and then we'll be back next week with a podcast playing all of that fulmer interview some good stuff there also got a scouting report on his uh, 10-month-old grandson very fast crawler he was in the office stopping by when I was talking to, to Philip. And you ever seen like class of twenty thirty something maybe? Yeah, he's ten months now. It seems about right. You ever seen like those movies when the uh, when the when you no, got, I have not seen those. No, movies. when you got like the the Marines, like they're going through basic training and they're having to like crawl Easy. like underneath the barbed wire. Yeah, and they're going like super fast. That's what Fulmer's grandson was doing. He was like his mom let him down for just a second. And he was just like, he was just gone. He was just sprinting. And Philip was like, oh, he might be a linebacker one day. I think he's going to be a linebacker. What's his 40 time in the crawl? Uh, he, he's probably a good uh, four or five minute 40 yard dash crawler, which at this age is, is, is pretty good. Thanks for listening, guys. We will be back tomorrow and then back early next week. Patrick, any final thoughts? Nope. <laughs>